0: Hello, welcome to the Film Pulse Podcast. This is episode number 384. My name Adam Patterson. With me today, we got Kevin Rakeshaw. Hey, Kevin. Hi. How's it going?
1: <laughs> All right. Yeah. I feel,
0: I feel you. I feel you. feel uh, This week how on the, the show, ever. we'll be taking a look at Miranda July's Kajillionaire, along with someone we've we'll watching on the watch list, and new releases on VOD and Blu ray. Thank you so much for joining us this week. Please remember to review us on iTunes if you get a moment. That would be super helpful. Just one bit of housekeeping to go over uh, before we get into the review. Uh, There's not going to be an episode of the regular podcast next week as we prepare for the Halloween specials. So they're coming, both the weekly episode and the, uh, say, by the 90s, we will be doing some Halloween fun stuff. I don't think I want to divulge the themes yet. All right. let's get into our review this week. We're talking about kajillionaire. This is written and directed by Miranda July stars. Evan, Rachel Wood, Gina Rodriguez, Deborah Winger, Richard Jenkins. I have a synopsis here. A woman's life is turned upside down when her criminal parents invite an outsider to join them on a major heist. They're planning. Mm. Mm. This is one of the interesting things about this movie is how they kept referring to things as heist. Yeah. Almost
1: none of them them were. They're cons. They're very small cons that are poorly thought out.
0: I don't even know. I mean, like some of the stuff I'm not even sure is necessarily a con. It's just stealing. It's just theft. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's just fraud. It's fraud and stealing.
0: Uh, all right, Kevin. So what did you think about Kajillionaire? Uh, I did not like it. I tried to keep an open mind early on.
1: Uh, it had a little bit of this like offbeat comedy, which of course is expected with the Miranda's July movie. So like it had enough of that in the beginning. I think mostly on the strength of um, Richard Jenkins. Anytime you have him doing kind of like offbeat comedy type deal, I'm 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 on board. But this just it it just kept going and then. The quirk, the quirk was just really annoying because it it felt offensive in this movie and just ultimately pointless. And I just, I really didn't like almost any of it. Mm. Uh... (laughs) There's not a whole much, or, you know, a whole lot. And a lot of it just didn't make sense to me. Not in the sense of, like, the narrative didn't make sense, but just the motivations. Like Gina Rodriguez's character, Melanie. Right. Like I don't understand why she's doing any of this. I,
0: I'm actually not sure either. It felt like her sort of falling into the fold with them and like hanging out with them and going on these like scams with them and stuff. It was like just a whirlwind. Like they get off the air the airplane and they're all of a sudden best friends and she's. Helping them commit crimes and it just, yeah, I I questioned the motivations with that as well. I questioned a lot of things in this movie. Like you, I was not a big fan of it. I, I don't think I like actively hated it or anything. for For me, it was more like just sort of a a, a Manila folder where I was just like, all right, it, this this movie happened. It to, to me, it was just not like I understood. What the movie was getting at very early on, they make it very apparent that this is about Evan Rachel Wood's character as Old Dolio and her relationship with her parents, and the fact that her parents never really showed any affection towards her; they never cared for her like a like a regular child, and she grew up kind of, you know, stilted, like she she didn't have the childhood that you know a lot of kids get. And it caused her to have a lot of issues with uh, relationships with people. And I I get that. I just feel like there wasn't really enough here to keep me hooked.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: <clears throat> I like I think the I, thing that gets me
1: is the fact that, like you said, that it, it it's pretty apparent early on that this is about old Dolio. Is named after a homeless man. And <laughs> the, her, Miranda dry trying to make that, like, I don't know, it was like trying to mine some, you know, deep feelings at the end of this movie with the amount of quirk that's in here. It's just like, that's the thing that was off putting. Like, it's just like poverty is played as a quirk, you know, a homeless man dying of cancer. Is played as a quirk. Like all these things are just played as quirks. And it's just funny. And it's just, it's just irritating.
0: It, it does have this sort of, almost feels like a forced amount of quirky comedy. Like there, there's a lot of sort of random things in here that are, that are played up for humor that, I don't know, just didn't necessarily work for me like the uh like their landlord guy just always crying yeah like that that whole every time that they had an interaction with that i was just like eh, that, what? I don't, I don't understand this why is this, this yeah is just, like okay it's just is really isn't that funny be, yeah like is that supposed
1: to be funny dude cries all the time
0: the uh the really, the only thing I thought was interesting was the uh the fact that every day they're living in an office and every day at specific times the the suds from i don't bubbles know, incorporated yeah bubbles yeah. incorporated leak into their into the office that they're living in, and they have to clean it up every day, yeah,
1: which I would give you that and that's like an early thing too. Is when that first happens, like that just looks, it looks good, uh, visually. It's just, it's a great, it's a great image. And then you have, you know, Richard Jenkins doing his thing and you're like, okay, this is gonna be. And then, you know, the rest of it is just, hey, try and laugh at these things. Like this guy wants to die in his house. And let's laugh at Richard Jenkins not knowing anything about golf, which was funny. I'll give him that. And saying a one holder. (laughs)
0: <laughs> I didn't even remember that. Like you, you brought that up to me earlier, and I was just like, "What?" <laughs> I mean, I knew, I, I, I knew that it was something to do with with this movie, but I couldn't remember what that was from.
1: <laughs> He's watching golf. He does a little tiny chuckle. He goes, "Yeah, oh, he just scored a one Uh
0: Yeah, I did like Richard Jenkins a lot in this. I thought Evan Rachel Wood. Gave a really good performance, uh, but just due to the nature of her character, she just felt very flat. Just because she was so emotionally like shut yeah. she was just so emotionally closed she, off. It didn't make for you know, a, a very compelling watch. Yeah,
1: and and to me, she's just like she's so rooted in Quirk for the sake of Quirk that like she she doesn't feel like a real human being at all in this movie.
0: No, she's like a it, she's like a female Napoleon Dynamite.
1: Yeah, and all then the- you know, on top of that, with the Gina Rodriguez things, where you know, like she's somehow like attracted to this person and like wants to spend all of her time with her, and like wants to develop this relationship, and like, ha- I, like I don't know, it just it just didn't make sense
0: to me. Yeah, and then uh, the whole like, I'll give you fifteen hundred dollars if you call me hun thing, and then. Just there's just so many things that happened in this that I was just like, how I, I don't understand how that would play out. Like how 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 is this from what we're led to believe about these characters? Why would they ever do something like that? And I mean, I understand that that was maybe to show her desperate need for love and affection that she never got, but it yeah. just it still didn't it's just it still didn't track for me. Apparently the the voice. Evan Rachel Wood's voice in this is is that's actually her real voice, and for other roles that she does, she changes her voice. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Which I think it's kind of interesting. That
1: is interesting.
0: Yeah. Overall, I was a little bit meh on this one, unfortunately. I I just didn't think there was really enough here and then also there's like something that happens with uh gina Rodriguez's character as as melanie and uh and richard jenkins and deborah winger's characters and 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 that felt like it just came out of nowhere and then didn't it didn't nothing materialized from it it was just like a one-off thing but it's like are we not gonna address that again is that we're just gonna let that go or like because if it was to reinforce the fact that these were kind of skeezy people like we already knew that like we knew that they were like stealing from old people and dying people and and we knew that they weren't good people to begin with so just didn't think it was necessary to to reinforce that or maybe it was to show that or maybe it was meant to show that that they were they're just so disconnected from the real world and and other human beings that they Read these sig- signals so wrong.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I don't think it just—it just points to their overall extremely selfish nature. But again, again, it just—it felt like a thing that was just dropped in there for the sake of being in the movie. You know, like oh, what's another way that we can conjure up this an interaction that seems completely out of left field to show that these people are extremely selfish. It's like we we already got it. Like you're kind of beating a dead horse here.
0: That's that's really all all I have to say about Kajillionaire. I was pretty excited for this, and it was definitely a disappointment for me. Yeah, yeah.
1: I just I don't know. It's just not my cup of tea. Like I don't. I I I, I honestly don't know what I'm supposed to get out of Kajillionaire.
0: Yeah, I don't know. Uh, we all need love and affection in our lives we all need human yeah. contact and and <laughs> yes yeah, i guess i don't know i don't know
1: it, it just it didn't really i don't know it, it to me it didn't come to that to that end like i didn't i like i feel like that's what it's supposed to be but i also that's not what i get from it but i'm pretty sure that that is the message
0: yeah after the credits roll <laughs> After the credits roll, just just hug someone. Just hug it out. Just just reinforce that bond.
1: Yeah, but I feel like you could have maybe done that message in a more compelling way or a more thoughtful way. This just this feels um, feels superficial. Well, I mean, just kind of fake. Like just
0: kind of really fake. Yeah,
1: I mean, it's like like she doesn't necessarily believe that, but she feels like she should.
0: Some of the some of the I mean maybe one of the biggest gripes I have is it, it's something that's on me it's it's my expectations sort of like how you were last week with with expectations going into into movies and finding disappointment where I thought that there was going to be more complex quote unquote heists involved like I thought that these were criminal masterminds co- cooking up these really complex schemes yeah. and executing these really you know, intricate plans to to get money, but it's not <laughs> nothing. It's not really like that. I mean, no. the, they do one thing that's like kind of clever, but even then, it's just like eh, you, I don't know.
1: Yeah, and that's the thing that kind of annoys me a little bit from from that perspective, where it's not that it's essentially just it's poor people trying to survive by any means necessary. And then the fact that that's played up, as like a quirky thing. (laughs) Look at these guys trying to survive. They're living in an office space and floods with suds from Bubbles Incorporated. And it's
0: just like, okay, that's kind of weird. Seems weird. How do you... So how would you compare this to something like another movie that I know you're a big fan of, like Microhabitat, where that's sort of a comedy... That is about someone living, or yeah. rather, rather embracing the poverty that she's in. But I
1: feel like that the,
0: that movie has
1: the the thing that I think is missing between, say, a film like that and a film like this is like a deep empathy for those characters in that situation. Now I don't know, the, you know, the the backgrounds of both directors, but I would say that the the background of a director like Micro Habitat is more in tune. With that situation than say Miranda July is, mm-hmm. I could be wrong, but that's just that's that's the feeling that I get. Yeah, from those movies, you know. Yeah, I get it. Where this is just like Miranda July, like trying to think like, wh- how, how are poor people like?
0: I mean, you can even look at something like Parasite and see how that plays out in, I think, a more respectful way than this movie. I think about Microhabitat a lot, actually. <laughs> that movie, that, that yeah. movie really stuck with me for whatever reason. I, same here. I, re- I I need to look up if there's a
1: Blu-ray of that, because I need to own that movie. Yeah. It's such a good movie. I wish more people
0: saw it. Yeah, it did kind of fly under the radar. Alright, that's Kajillionaire. Let's go ahead and give it a score. Uh, for me, it's probably like a four and a half. Okay.
1: I'm like a three.
0: All right, Uh, so Kajillionaire is playing in limited release right now in theaters, actually, but it's also available on VOD platforms. All right, let's talk about someone we're watching on the watch list, Kevin. I believe it's your turn this week. Okay,
1: I watched *Blood Diner* (1987), Jackie Kong. Now you want to talk about expectations? (laughs) I had zero. Right? I had zero. I've kind of heard about this movie and judging from the poster i kind of have this expectation going in i'm like okay this looks like a some sort of diner out in the middle of nowhere okay but no this sort of takes place in hollywood and early on you have the point of view from this 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 guy that just killed a bunch of people in the the glee club killed all these girls and then he's like kind of stalking this house and you're just like oh okay this is going to be kind of like a another knockoff Black Christmas type deal. One of those things, slasher with point of view. Around. Okay, great. Um, but then, you know, that guy busts through the door and it turns out that he's the uncle of these two kids and just the amount of the like ridiculous, like off-putting comedy that's in that like opening sequence kind of gives you an idea of what's, what's about to happen. And uh, I wasn't ready for that. And I got to say that I was extremely pleasantly surprised I absolutely loved Blood Diner. It is ridiculous. (laughs) Uh, It's got a great sense of humor. It's disgusting. Mm -hmm. It's really fucked up. It's got an insane story. Like, this movie is so many things. And to me, it's just, it's phenomenal. I love Blood Diner. And (laughs) I feel like this should be considered, like, a classic. Like, this should be canon. This movie's incredible.
0: (laughs) I like Blood Uh, Diner. This is, you can get the the, uh, Vestron. This is part of the Vestron Collector series, and they released it on Blu-ray a couple couple years ago, maybe a year ago, and uh, it's a really good Blu-ray. It's got, like, they remastered it, and it's got, like, all kinds of bonus content.
1: I mean, it's insane.
0: There is two brothers. They dig up
1: their uncle, revive his brain, Right, they're running a, like a vegetarian diner, which seems like an odd thing, in 1987. And the fact that that, like, that area has like a ton of health food, vegetarian places is even crazier because one that's around the corner is a guy who has this like giant puppet thing. I don't know what the fuck he is. <laughs> it, he does ventriloquism with, and everyone just acts normal. Like, it's like a thing. Like, that's just a completely normal thing. And they have to kill a bunch of of uh, immoral girls, right? Loose women. And get various body parts, lungs and livers and such. And a lot of the leftovers they feed to the people at the diner. Like, it's just, it's insane. They're trying to wake up a an Egyptian goddess named Sheetar. And then there's this, like, little tangent of him wrestling Jimmy Hitler. Like it, it, I mean this movie is just it has just about everything
0: it's insane yeah it's it's pretty fun check out Blood Diner looks like it's available it's so on much fun. did you watch this on Hulu looks like it's available on Hulu yes yeah. yes it is it sure is yeah so if you don't want to pick up the the Blu-ray which again I would recommend because it does have an audio commentary with Jackie Kong I believe it, and then there's also a bunch of uh, interviews and stuff about the making of it so I'd I, Would recommend that, but if you want to just watch the movie, then it's available on Hulu. Uh, I didn't see a whole lot this week. Uh, Only two things. The first thing I'll mention is Love and Monsters. This is directed by Michael Matthews. This is a post-apocalyptic, I'd say kid-friendly, maybe like older kids, 12, 13 maybe, Uh, kind of sci-fi movie about this... uh, this dude played by Dylan O'Brien who uh, it takes place in a in a future where the bi- insects have been like mutated and they are giant so you're dealing with giant insects everywhere but they're not just like regular creatures they're like because they're mutated they're like they're big and they they have like different shit going on different abilities and shit Basically, it's just there's just tons of different monsters everywhere, and uh okay. the, the The premise is that that Dylan O'Brien's character is his he's been in this underground colony for seven years since this event occurred, and he gets into contact with his girlfriend, and she's in another colony that's like a hundred miles away and he decides that he's going to go to her colony and and um get back with her. And so the the bulk of the movie is just him trying to get from one colony to the other while surviving various monster attacks. And it's I got to say, uh if I was a kid, I would freaking love this movie. It is a lot of fun. The Dialogue is is quite good. There's a lot of humor in it, and it's actually pretty funny. And there's a dog in it. So, like, early on, he finds a dog companion that stays with him through, through the whole movie. And the dog is incredible. Uh, lots of different monsters. Really creative effects work with the monsters. In fact, there's one set piece where there's this kind of, like, underground, I don't know what what it is, but it, it's, it basically it's tremors. There's like a tremors okay. scene in this. Um so it kind of pulls little bits and pieces from several other movies, but it does, it does so in sort of uh, a, a good way of paying homage. And uh, it's just a lot of fun, man. I mean, it, I, I did have some complaints. There is a lot of voiceover narration with it that doesn't always work. I probably could have done without the whole thing, without without all of it, but it's fine. I mean, that's just sort of a minor gripe. Michael Rooker's in it, and he plays this kind of survivor survivor guy who's making his way up north. And yeah, I got to say, uh, I had a really, really good time with Love and Monsters. So I, I would definitely recommend checking it out. Again, It's it's sort of sort of kid-friendly. It's like, you know, PG-13. But there's... I think... I think it's maybe geared a little bit for younger people. Uh, but there's still a lot of fun to be had with it. <clears throat> really, really surprised. Really surprising.
1: Yeah, I mean, I've mean, never even heard of this movie.
0: Yeah, it, ju- it just came out this weekend on VOD. I think it was going to be in theaters this was like a virtual theatrical type thing it was like a premium vod price so i think it was going to be hitting theaters and i think it, i think it would have done very well in theaters like the effects work is really good like it you, this is a bigger budget movie like the cg is quite good in it and again the creature design is is really fun and creative as well
1: mm-hmm. Uh, I watched a a movie that also came out this weekend, and that's Garrett Bradley's Time, which is available on Amazon Prime. So last year, her short film, America, was one of my favorites of the year, right? So this year, she comes out with Time. This is not experimental. This is pretty much straightforward doc, and it covers uh, a woman, Fox Rich, who... Her and her husband robbed a bank, armed robber. She ended up serving, I think, like three years in prison. And her husband is in prison for 60 years. So 60 years for robbing a bank. And which right off the bat is kind of insane. And it's pretty much just her, you know, Garrett Bradley documenting Fox Rich day to day of her trying to fight for her husband's release she wants to you know have her family back together which obviously 60 years seems kind of insane for a prison sentence so it touches on a number of those things you know the the prison industrial complex uh, it doesn't really discuss it but it, you know it kind of gets to you when there's a couple of times where they talk over the phone so you have the I forget the name of the company in this documentary, but there's uh, the prison communication companies, Mm -hmm. the the telecom companies, and just how fucking evil they are. Yeah. So it's just uh, her, you know, fighting all these years. So it's a pretty straightforward doc in that sense. But the thing that makes it really interesting is during this time, like her getting out of jail, her up until the present, she's been like documenting her life by herself with home movies. Like, you know, her kids growing up, her son's growing up and always kind of talking about the work that she's doing, trying to get her husband out of jail. So Garrett Bradley has taken all of those home movies and kind of weaved them in to the documentary where everything that she shot is in black and white and all the home movies are in black and white. So it kind of gives this appearance of like, Formless Time, where you never quite know, you know, like, it's just, it's really, really interesting. It's a great documentary. Uh, It's really uplifting and hopeful because this whole movie, you know, she's fighting and fighting and fighting. And towards the end, there's this this sequence of her, she calls like every week or every couple of days to this courthouse, which they said, you know, they said time and time again that, oh, yeah, we're going to have a decision about his release and every time she calls they're just like yeah we haven't gotten to we haven't really even done anything about you know maybe next week so she finally kind of gets she kind of gets pissed off and she snaps for a little bit where she's not like this polished presentation of herself and she just kind of loses it a little bit emotionally and then so you you're just hoping you know because considering what it's like right now with COVID and everything and all the terrible shit going on. You're just like, please let this guy get out of fucking prison, please.
0: This was on my radar. I, I, I do want to see this. Yeah. You, I mean,
1: Garrett Bradley, there's something that she's able to do with images where like she adorns them just perfectly like music and area. And it just to get like maximum, uh, like emotional weight to them like I, I don't know i don't
0: know how she does it definitely check that out again that's called time and that's on amazon prime uh the only other one that i'll mention is totally under control this is sort of segueing from what you were saying this is alex gibney and uh ophelia harut Yunyan's documentary about COVID 19 now uh, I think that this is uh this is a really great it's a great documentary I'll, I'll say that right up front and I think that this is a this is a documentary that it's like one of those deals where it's like it's capturing a very specific time in our history and I think that in the future you know decades from now people will be referencing back to this as sort of the document of how uh COVID-19 happened in the United States and how it got out of control. And, you know, this is obviously a story that's that's still developing, that we're still in the midst of it right now. So um first first of all I'll say that the way that they shot the documentary was done in a very safe manner. They developed basically like this kind of portable studio set up where they would go to their subjects uh like homes and offices and stuff and interview them and they had like these like plastic barriers set up and the interviewer um would whether it was alex me or um ophelia they would do the interviews via um zoom or skype or whatever so they were never present so anyway it was done in a safe way to create this documentary but uh you know you think you know everything if you if you if you're keeping up with the covid news and and trying to parse all the information and stuff like you'll know some stuff but the the fact that this breaks down every, like it it goes in a in chronological order and it follows a timeline so you can see exactly what happens on each specific you know week day month etc and like it's just so much worse it's so much worse than what i thought as far as the criminal negligence that uh, that our government was involved with with this the the pandemic i mean you know you you hear things and you form opinions about it. But when you're presented with all of the facts in a concise way like this, it's just like, Holy shit. Like people should go to jail for this. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, It is, it is a fascinating documentary. And while I did know a lot of all the information going into it, there were, there were a lot of sort of revelations in this that I, you know, had, had sort of, I, I sort of, kind of thought that that's the what happened, but then like this, this sort of confirms a lot of the um, preconceived notions about how this was handled and everything. So uh, it, yeah. go, it goes all the way up almost to to the present. Um, they finished the documentary, I think, like a day or two before Trump revealed that he had COVID. Um, so that's like the final thing that they, that they end with. So it's very, it's very recent. Uh, and yeah, I would recommend checking it out again. It's called totally under control. I'm sorry. I I I forgot. I forgot to add that Suzanne Hillinger was also a co-director on this. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if I can
1: handle that right now. I think I might need to be, it's infuriating.
0: I mean, it is, it is absolutely infuriating. I can imagine, because it's
1: infuriating living it.
0: Okay, let's take a look at what we have on VOD coming up this week. On the 20th, the we have The Sounding, we have Expulsion. It's like maybe a uh, sci-fi thriller. Breaking uh-huh. the speed of reality has its consequences.
1: Well, of course it does.
0: Mm. Mm-hmm.
1: Going against the laws of nature.
0: The speed of reality. Uh, we have Fugue, The truth will come out one way or another. We have How to Fix a Primary. That's a documentary. Uh, We also have Tar, based on the true legend. This is a little bit of a creature feature from the looks of it. That sounds interesting. Got a tar creature. In the murky depths Mm -hmm. of Los Angeles' world-famous La Brea Tar Pits, there lies an ancient secret. Creature that awakened mm-hmm. by underground Construction turns five co-workers Last night together into a desperate Fight for survival Hmm We have Redwood Massacre Annihilation He's still out there it Sure is The the Mothman Legacy which is One that we mentioned yes. last Week Yes. yes. The yes. Forests of Appalachia yes. hide An ancient secret Hell yeah it does The Mothman. God, I love him. On the 21st, we have White Noise, which is a documentary about the alt-right. I don't think it's necessary to give them more of a voice.
1: Yeah, they suck. Move on.
0: On the 22nd, we have The Witches. This is uh, the one with uh, Anne Hathaway and Octavia Spencer and Stanley Tucci. Okay. That's going to be on HBO Max. Then Mm on the 23rd, we have Haunting of the Mary Celeste, which looks like it might be a ghost ship type movie. Mm -hmm. Haunted ship. Yes. I like those.
1: You got to love a good haunted ship.
0: Yeah. Fear lies beneath. Fear lies beneath.
1: Perfect, perfect, perfect vessel
0: Mm -hmm. for. Haunting. Contained, can't get off of it that easily. No. you know. Yeah. Uh, we have Borat's subsequent movie film. Yeah, it's going to be on Amazon Prime.
1: I did not know that.
0: Yep. Uh, what? Uh, are you interested in this? Are you interested in a little Borat two? I've never. I never watched the first Borat. Should I watch the first Borat? I mean, I don't think it's going to be necessary to watch <laughs> to enjoy the second one. I'm pretty sure. Borat has entered the pop cultures like just enough at this point that you don't need to see the movie to know what Borat's all about.
1: Yeah, he did like he likes his wife.
0: I, I think uh, that's his deal. I only saw the first one, I think, once in the theater, and I just remember it being absolutely hysterical, just okay, so 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 funny. Uh, this one. Yeah, it looks looks to be more the same. I I like the fact that he's kind of, you know, going after like commenting on the the pandemic and the election and all of that stuff. So I I think it should be should be interesting.
1: Okay, all right.
0: I mean, one of the things that I find that that I'm intrigued to see is how he disguises himself because everybody knows the character Borat at this point. So. You would think, at least. I know that from the trailer, it looks like he does put on different disguises and stuff, so I don't know. We'll see. I'll be checking it out. We have American Selfie, One Nation Shoots Itself. That's going to be on Showtime. It's a documentary. We Mm. have Radium Girls. This is going to be a virtual theatrical release. This year, make your mark on history based on true events.
1: This is a licking radium.
0: Putting it on your tongue. Mm, yep, and let's see what else. I think that is it. Yep, that's it for VOD on Blu-ray this week. Uh, we have Pumpkinhead from 1988. That's a steel book release. It's kind of a cool looking steel book adaptation from 2002 is coming out on Shout Factory. Looks like some kind of special edition on Shout Factory. Part of their Shout Selects series. A good okay. that's a good line a lot a lot of good titles in that in that series i I have a few of them myself Tremors shrieker Island
1: what
0: yeah, they're still cranking out the tremors movies. I just wish they would i mean I've said it before a million times. I love tremors it's probably one of my favorite movies, and I just want them to scrap all these sequels, pretend they never existed, and then make. A good, true sequel.
1: <laughs> Napoleon Dynamite is in this movie. Yeah. I hate
0: yeah. Uh, let's see, we have Killdozer from 1974. Uh, My Neighbor Totoro from 1988 looks like it's getting a Steelbook edition. That's going to also be on Shout Factory. Loving the Steelbook on this one. Uh, Your Name from 2016 is also getting a steelbook. Looks like a lot of uh, sort of these big anime films are getting steelbook versions. Uh, Princess Mononoke from 1997 is also getting a steelbook. That's got a really cool cover, too. Damn. Oh, man. Really? I mean, I don't typically like steelbooks, but, man, these look really nice.
1: Steelbooks, it seems like they're taking over. It seems like everything is a steelbook.
0: Yeah, they're such a waste, though like there's such just I mean I guess the plastic cases are not much better but yeah uh Fear No Evil and Ritual of Evil are coming out as a double pack uh The Untold Story from 1993 is coming out remember that one ugh to this day that is one of the most disturbing yeah. movies I've ever seen in my life
1: for a split second I was like no I don't know what that is and then like a very very strong memory. Uh, yeah, like stabbed me in my brain, and I was like, "Oh God, yes, I do remember now." That movie is just, just. I'm unhappy. I'm unhappy <laughs> of that memory. It's just
0: so brutal. God, uh, that that movie is really just way too extreme, even for me. A uh, scare package from earlier this year is coming out. I'd recommend that. It's on Shudder too. If you have Shudder Uh, Let's see, Spree from earlier this year, Haunt. I would recommend Haunt, too. I liked that quite a bit. Alone from earlier this year. There's some sort of Twilight box set coming out, the complete saga. Welcome to the Circle. Uh, It looks like there's a bunch of Christmas movies getting pushed out or re-released, including the Home Alone series, Santa Claus, Muppets, Christmas Carol, Miracle on 34th Street. Just There's a whole bunch coming out. Uh, myth from earlier this year. Expulsion. That's pretty much it. What about Criterions?
1: Uh, we got two. We have 1984, The Hit from Stephen Brears and The Gunfighter from 1950. Gregory Peck stars as Jimmy Ringo, the infamous gunslinger, looking to hang up his holsters.
0: Mm. Does he have one last job? No, his his reputation
1: draws him into a cycle of violence,
0: mm. and he
1: just can't seem to escape. It.
0: One of those deals.
1: Okay, All right. That's uh, you know. Well, that's the problem. If you become too good at something, there's always going to be challengers. You know. Yeah. It's just how it is.
0: Yeah. All right. Uh, I think that's going to do it for this week. Thank you so much for listening. You can send us your questions and topics to podcast at net. You can follow us on Twitter at filmpulse.net and at filmpulse Kevin. And if you have a minute. Please consider reviewing us on iTunes. We appreciate that very much. For Kevin Rakestrel, my name is Adam Patterson, and we will see you later.